AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Welcome to Creature Feature, production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host of Mini Parasites, Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology, and today on the show, we're going to take a bite out of troglobites. Figuratively speaking. What happens in the deep, cold, dark depths of caves? How does anything stay alive down there? What happens when you just don't need eyes? What kind of creepy crawlies might brush against you in the dark caverns of the world? And are there real life cave dragons? Discover this more as we answer the age old question Is that a speleothem in your pocket or are you just ha- You get the joke, you get the joke. Joining me today to talk cave critters is co host of the Small Beans Podcast Network and video manager for IGN and coyote lover Michael Swaim. Oh! Ooh, thank you for having me, Katie. Hello. Wow. It's, he's actually part coyote, where coyote. Yeah, and a cave-dwelling mammal myself, and I've often wondered, in this cave of quarantine, how can anything live down there? So I'm very excited that that's the topic today. Well, you know, a cave-dwelling human is a troglodyte. I have only heard of trilobites and... Wait, trilodite or troglodyte? It's troglobite is the... Critters and See, to me, this is like a crazy mashup word. I don't know about this. 
troglodyte is a human being who lives in a cave, whereas mm-hmm. troglobite is any little critter that lives in a, exclusively in caves. Oh, I love learning new words. Okay, <laughs> so the critter that lives in a cave, that's me. I'm both. That's you. Great. <laughs> as long as you only live in caves, you never emerge from your cave, which, I, you know. Yeah. In that's this quarantine, basically true right now. I yeah, don't need my eyes. We're all troglobites to a yeah. certain extent. <laughs> and trilobites. So what is a troglobite? It is an animal species who lives exclusively in caves or underground. And they can go through very, very strange adaptations. Now, this is why I'm having you on, Michael, for this one. Because you mentioned to me you're really interested in animals that like kind of these weird, almost aliens on Earth that don't have eyes or just very strange adaptations. Oh, yeah. Tardigraves or uh, anything that... You go so far down in the ocean that it's just you and James Cameron and the pressure's so intense. <laughs> Nothing should be there. That's what I astounds me about life, Katie. It's like, there doesn't need to be life everywhere, does there? Right. But for some reason, you're like, in this uh, space-like void at the bottom of the sea by this volcanic eruption, there's these little critters that live down there. And you're like, f***ing Why? <laughs> But yeah, anything that's shaped weird because it just shouldn't be here. Right. I love it. Well, and you mentioned the deep sea, but I kind of wanted to take you into the cave systems of the world because I think that's something where we don't even really think about life being in caves. It's like in the deep sea, we're like, yeah, okay, we've got our deep submarine and then we've got some kind of ghoulish looking anglerfish and bioluminescence and we've kind of become accustomed to the aliens that live in the deep sea, but Like, when you go in a cave system, it's like, well, wait, why is anything in here? Like, you you know, in the entrance to the caves, like the mouths of caves, you you know, there's bats and and so on. But, like, to get deep in a cave where there's no light and it's just perfectly still and silent and cold. And you're like, well, why would anything be down here? But that's exactly what we're going to talk about. So... The animals that live deep in caves often go through very weird adaptations. So depigmentation, the loss of skin pigment, there are no evolutionary pressures to have any pigment. There's the loss of eyesight or even the eyes themselves and longer antenna and legs to better sense their environment. So you get some very, very creepy like centipedes with really long legs and long antenna. The trifecta of nightmare fuel, essentially. <laughs> well, it's interesting because fear in in our experience is so tied up with things, that, the other, the unknown, things that seem alien. And so things that are shaped by forces that we don't have to deal with and vice versa, they are not affected by forces, you know, on the evolutionary timescale. Yeah. It's like they've they've had such a different experience that they're so different than me that they freak me out. (laughs) I think there's also something like, because as humans, we do have an evolutionary history where we probably did live in caves at some point. I mean, we have evidence of humans dwelling in caves, but we probably had a fear of going too deep into the cave, you know, where there's no light. I think that to me, at least, there's this uncanny fear as, as you go deeper into a cave. And I've been to, you know, the tourist caves where you don't really have to worry too much like they're Mm -hmm. a guided tour you're not like spelunking on your own which can be actually very dangerous but uh when there are sections where they're like 
guiding you and there's like not that much light around because they don't want to light up the whole cave system. They want the lights in just a few particular areas. And there's actually a good reason for that. But in these areas where it's just like really dark and you're sliding along these narrow passageways, it's just, mm-hmm. oh, it's something so claustrophobic and creepy about it. I went caving in Belize in real life, which seems so distant now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we went swimming through a pass where it was literally pitch black, you know, like deep beneath the earth, the guts of the earth in a way that I've never experienced anywhere else. Completely silent, really, really existentially terrifying and horrible. And now you're going to tell me there's stuff alive down there and I don't want to know. Yeah. Swimming in complete darkness and silence is so Mm -hmm. creepy to me. It's like a, it's like, um, Sensory deprivation tank, but yeah. you never know when something's going to brush against your foot. <laughs> and I come, well, I comforted myself by thinking, this is like the moon, though, just filled with water. Nothing lives down here. Nope. And now all, you're about to shatter all those illusions and ruin yes, my vac- Ruin the best <laughs> vacation of my life retroactively. Thank you. So there are cave dwellers that we're familiar with, like bats or rats or you know little mammals that like to sleep in caves and these are called troglozines so they are just occasional visitors to caves so even bats that live like in the mouths of caves they only live part-time in the caves they will come out to eat insects or fruit uh, and and fly around and they come back in the cave to sleep Uh, so they are not true troglobites because they don't spend their whole life in the cave Whereas troglobites spend their entire time in the caves and often deep in the caves. So there are actually three main zones in the caves. Uh, There's the entrance zone with lots of life, lots of vegetation. You can even have flowering plants there. Um, Often really beautiful, actually. There's the twilight zone. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Mm. yeah, twilight zone. Uh, Where there's just a little bit of light can reach into the cave. It's cool and moist there's some vegetation that can uh, thrive there like ferns and mosses so they're getting just enough light to photosynthesize Um, but then there's the dark zone where no light reaches uh, and yet plants can still grow here vegetation can still grow here Um, not not just plants but also fungi so algae fungi and slime mold can grow here uh, they can't photosynthesize, so they have to use different metabolic pathways. So fungi can live off of bat guano, which is full of nutrients. Delicious. Uh, oh, algae- you don't have to tell me about the <laughs> nutritious, delicious properties of bat guano. <laughs> algae can grow without photosynthesis through other uh, versions of met- metabolism, uh, such as breaking down sugar found in their environment, probably from waste organic material. Um, and in this zone, life can also thrive. Now, it seems like weird that you could still have life except for maybe little like bacteria or something living here. But as you have support for some algae and fungi, you can also have other forms of life and it supports a whole ecosystem. One honorable mention for life that exists in caves, not naturally, is lampin' flora. So this is sneaky algae that comes into cave systems uh, through water flows or are introduced by animals or humans that grow exclusively in lamplight introduced by humans. What? I mean, 
we put lights in caves. So right. if algae comes into caves, normally it would just die off. But then it's like, hey, whoa, there's a light in here. That's cool. And it hangs around and it lives. Oh, okay. But is it genetically or evolutionarily branched from other algae? Or is that just a word that defines algae that figured this system out? It's just so a cave gets a lot of input from the outside world through mm-hmm. animals like uh, bats will come in and out. Humans will come in and out. Uh, water flows. That's probably where a lot of the algae is coming in from water flows from the surface. So if this mm. algae comes from the surface, you have these little, you know, little bits of algae that come in and then they are really good at colonizing places wherever they can. If you've ever had a fish tank, you know how even the smallest right. amount of algae can get in there and just coat the entire tank mm-hmm. in like a week. So it's very, very hardy. So if a little bit gets in on an animal's fur through the water and then it finds the spot of light, it's going to flourish. So, yeah, it's actually a problem because it's not supposed to be there. It normally would just kind of die off because it doesn't have access to light and only it's specially evolved algae cousins that live in the cave system should be able to survive. So it's actually an invasive species. It's not really necessarily good for the cave ecosystem to have that invasive algae. And it's also not necessarily good for um, anthropologists because like if cave algae starts to grow over like say old cave paintings that's really destructive and oh, bad sure. so bad lamp and flora naughty <laughs> <laughs> we kind of brought it on ourselves though it's true it's true um, so I think there's this concept that like in caves, like deep in caves, it shouldn't be livable. Some people have the idea that there's not oxygen in caves, that there couldn't be water flow in caves, or that it would get like way too cold. And it's interesting because there are many caves that are totally fine in terms of being able to live in them because there's constant airflow. There may be multiple openings to a cave. And due to the difference in temperature between the cave and outside, you actually have a pressure differential that causes airflow. That doesn't mean all caves are oxygenated. So there are some caves that have high levels of carbon dioxide or methane. So CO2 can get into a cave system through water flows and gas gas exchange, uh, through vegetation or organic decay, flora or fauna, respiration and metabolism, Or it may actually sink to the bottom of really deep caves. It's heavier than than the surrounding air. And then the airflow doesn't reach down to the bottom of the cave and can't like lift it out and ventilate it. So like there are some caves if you get really uh, down deep, down low and there's not enough airflow, uh, it's actually quite dangerous because there can be pockets of CO2 down there. These are called foul air caves and they can be deadly. So be careful. Don't... That's why we would bring canaries into coal mines, right? Yeah, yeah. Is for that exact... I don't think a canary could warn you of a collapse. It was just for gas pockets, I think. For gas pockets, for CO2, methane, Mm -hmm. for carbon monoxide, yes. My smarty, dumb question is, (laughs) what about vitamin D? You're talking about getting so little sun that they have no like pigment in their skin. I thought that's where we got vitamin D and you needed that to live. That's why I always thought there wasn't life in caves. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, you 
you do get vitamin D through sunlight, but you can also get nutrients through other ways. So like you look at like the algae, right? Normally it only mm. can metabolize through photosynthesis and it gets its nutrients through sugars instead uh, with getting things like vitamin D. I would suspect like they get some of it from their diet and there's probably their bodies are just better able to survive without higher levels of vitamin D. Awesome. It's, yeah, it's just, again, seems like everywhere else in the whole universe, as far as we can tell, the norm is you can't have life here. There's no, it's raining acid or whatever. <laughs> There's no life here. Or 99% of the time, it's just a void. There's nothing there. There's no resources <laughs> for anything to live. And yet on Earth in this tiny pocket where we do have life, it's like it's trying extra hard to make up for there not being life elsewhere. It's just everywhere. I mean, if there is a pocket for it to fill, it will fill it. Nature abhors a vacuum, probably also abhors Roombas. I mean, my dog abhors Roombas, so I imagine nature would as well. Uh, but yeah, no, it's anytime there is any pocket for life to fill, basically, if it can, if it can reach there and it can physically actually do it, it'll fill it. It's just, it's kind of inevitable. Caves can be cold. They can be sort of, they're usually on the cool side. They don't necessarily have to be freezing. Um, in fact, like cave temperatures are often very stable throughout the year. They can, some caves are like 50 degrees Fahrenheit throughout the entire year and barely changes a single degree um, because it's sheltered from weather and the sun. So most caves stay at a pretty constant temperature. They can be quite cold. They can be, uh, you know, sort of moderately temperature. Uh, actually, deep caves can be warmer because they're closer to geothermal activity. The temperature in the cave depends on where the cave is in the world how deep it is, you know, what the weather is on the outside. Because like if you're in a really sunny area and it heats everything on the outside, you will get, and, and it's a shallow cave, you will get some of that uh, through the cave. But it, it's, they're generally like a stable kind of cool temperature. Um, and there's often water flow in cave systems. So like streams and rivers on the surface will sometimes like just whoop, fall right down a hole and enter a cave and you'll get an underground cave river or stream um what you're describing is nicer than my home that i have in 2020 as a human supposedly master of this earth <laughs> is it's got a water feature it's a steady 50 degrees at all times <laughs> no heating bill it's astounding caves sound amazing i'm gonna live no, in a cave i know no joke like when i visited my first cave i really thought man this would actually be nice to live in if i had internet if you could get internet down there. If lack of sunshine didn't affect us emotionally so much, mm. that's I, all that yeah. I, I, I wonder if the troglozines are like depressed. Do they ever feel lonely well, troglozines down in their cave? actually visit the surface frequently. So those are like bats oh, okay. and raccoons okay. and so on. Am I, but is, troglobites, my, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. How's my I, pattern I recognition? Does troglo mean cave? Yes. <laughs> Boom! Score one for Michael Swain. All right. Uh, okay, awesome. It can also just mean recluse, though, in addition to, like, caves. Oh, that was a Google it pause. Haha. -ha. That was a Google pause. I <laughs> you. That's now, I see, that's an extra sweet point, is if you 
force Katie to Google something. I think that's how you win <laughs> creature feature. <laughs> oh, that's my secret, though, is I'm actually just kind of a, a dumb dumb who knows how to use Google very good. That's such bull because our video feeds are on and I'm watching you <laughs> with this information off the top of your head like it ain't no thing. I wrote notes. It's all notes and Googling. Oh, right. <laughs> you shattered the reality mm-hmm. of the podcast. The fantasy that I'm that I'm not just a dumb dumb with Google. Well, just. I'll just at the beginning of this, I thought the more I learned, the more I would be creeped out by the things are in, that are in caves and never want to visit a cave. And indeed, that portion probably still is coming, scrolling through some of the images on the dock. <laughs> but uh, so far, you're making me want to live in a cave. This is if, how chuds happen. If it's a happen. safe cave, you can visit it. It's yeah. it's actually really cool to visit a cave, uh, visit a a cave that has been deemed safe for humans to visit, preferably mm-hmm. do one of the ones that has uh, tour guides and such in it. Because, like, remember, as I mentioned before, there can be foul air caves that can just silently kill you. You can get stuck in little areas of caves. So they can actually be very dangerous. But normally, the caves that you can go to as a tourist on guided tours are very safe. So one of the coolest things about caves, just architecturally, is of course the beautiful interior with chandeliers and columns. And it looks like Mm -hmm. it was created by some kind of like phantom of the opera who lives underground. Uh, So this, these formations are typically caused from groundwater that seeps down into the earth and drips down into caves like underground rain. And this results in mineral deposit on the cave's roof or floor and creates stalactites on the roof and stalagmites on the floor and other cave formations. Uh, all cave formations are known as speleothems. They can be things like straws. So these are like hollow tubes that hang from the ceiling. Draperies that are mineral deposits that look like curtains. Uh, there are columns uh, that look like columns. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and there are also flowstone flowstones that look like these big mounds. They they almost look like they're fluid, mm. but if you touch them, they're solid. They kind of look like a big melted ice cream scoop, essentially, but they're actually solid. Also, in the in the twilight zone of that cave in Belize, which is my only real cave experience, uh, maybe this is flowstone, but there was a room that looked like the surface of a brain. Like the mm. wall and the floors, it looks like you are on a giant brain. You know what I mean? That sort of wobbly... Ooh, that's so cool. pattern, yeah. There are all sorts of different cave formations. I can't name them all because I'm not an expert, but there are things that that are called like bacon because they have striations. There are like things that look like egg yolks. It it all depends on the type of mineral deposits and the way that it was formed that forms these different. Oh, and you'll see, I've seen pictures online of, um, it's like they discovered this in Peru and there's people standing on crystals that are so huge that it looks like CG from yeah. a Harry Potter movie or something. <laughs> Caves are way more varietous than I think we think yes. of them as. I think yeah. of them as like a smooth rock hole, but it's way more than that. Yeah, I mean, there are things from, from ice caves to lava caves, caves yeah. made of ice and caves made of cool lava. So yeah, and so... All these cave formations are going to depend on the type of mineral deposit. Uh, Most are made out of calcium carbonate, which is actually the minerals that are also found in seashells and eggshells and pearls. So, you know, this sort of like pallid, ghostly cave color, sometimes sort of like, I don't know what it's almost like semi-translucent, translucent, 
semi-translucent. Jesus Christ, what the hell? Semi-translucent. Nailed it. <laughs> and they are really beautiful. We also see those in like in seashells and pearls. Uh, and so, oh, that shimmer effect. The yeah, same material. It's yeah. not. Yeah, I don't often see like an actual pearlescent uh, cave um, structure, but they're off. They do have like a sort of like shimmer or sheen, and and that those are often the calcium carbonate um, uh, structures. But there are many types of minerals that form different types of speleothems. Uh, and, you know, actually one cool thing is that there is an interesting psychological phenomenon that you can experience if you go down in a cave called pareidolia, which is where you see faces or shapes or figures in ambiguous patterns and you interpret that as like a face or a person. So there are a lot of caves where they're like, oh, look, this is these are these figures in a cave that's like it looks like a human or it looks like spirits or a ghost. And it looks like a ghostly figure haunting the cave. And it's really because we are really good at interpreting ambiguous patterns as faces in humanoid shapes. So that's a fun, creepy thing you can experience when you go down in a cave and you see a, a column and it kind of looks like a human being. My understanding is that's because it's it's historically been so important to recognize one another, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I've met that other human before. I know who they are. Oh, that's Katie. Katie doesn't try and kill me with rocks when I see <laughs> Katie in the past, so that pattern will probably persist. So, like, yeah, we become so keyed to recognize faces. That's why two dots in a line looks like a face to yeah, us when it should. Face. It's not, but, you know, a random crosshatch pattern doesn't look like anything. It's just such that is a primal pattern. Right. The Why face. you see you see it everywhere. And, yeah, you say see shapes and people and clouds and tree leaves. Yeah, I mean it's we devote so much of our brain to pattern recognition, especially social pattern recognition because we are our whole survival as a species has been because of our ability to socialize with one another. Mm -hmm. So we have it's just so much brain power devoted to that that when you toss something in the brain, it's going to run run that algorithm over I love it that characterization it of it that you're handing the brain like a bunch of random stimulus and it's like <laughs> uh I don't know a face maybe could it be a guy's face jeez imagine your tough. eyes is just funnels that you're tossing information in and it's got to get sorted out by your, your brain your brain is like a sweaty middle manager trying to figure all this <laughs> ah, stuff geez, out ah jeez what is this i don't know a human whatever yeah. i don't got time for this <laughs> bunch of stalactites coming at me. I don't know what all this crap is. It's cave people. I don't know. Yeah. It's a guy. <laughs> run. <laughs> Sometimes these structures like stalactites, stalagmites, or other speleothems are formed by microbes. So microbes like cyanobacteria can deposit minerals and form structures. And diatoms, which are unicellular algae, can also create mineral deposits. Uh, when they die, they actually leave behind their hard shells made of silica. Have you ever purchased diatomaceous earth? Yes. It keeps bugs off of some of our flowers. Yes, yes. I think this when is... they crawl through it, it like shreds their insides or something is my understanding. Close. It desiccates them. It sucks all the moisture out of oh. them like, like a millions of little... Terrible like Skeletor sponges. finally killing <laughs> He-Man or some shit. Right. It sucks out the moisture and kills them because these are they're extremely dry. And that diatomaceous earth is made out of 
millions and millions of skeletons of dead diatoms, <gasps> these little unicellular algae. So we're using in like a nearly infinite, relatively infinite number of corpses to murder make, more, yeah, make more animals. Make yeah. more corpses. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So life doesn't just come in the form of microbes or diatoms. There are actual things you can see with the naked human eye that can actually be surprisingly big that live in caves. I just imagine you're like, that wall's made of a bunch of cat shells piled up. They, <laughs> their husks harden when they die. I'm talking about living animals, oh, living okay. alive, crawling animals that, oh, you know, geez. you go down in a cave and it can brush up against you in the it's, darkness, in the cold darkness, in utter silence. And suddenly you feel something slimy or fuzzy crawling against your hand. Anyways, That's stalagmite is three dogs in a trench coat. <laughs> we'll talk more about that when we return. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. So let's talk some troglobites. So in the dark zone of the caves, no light is getting in. So you don't really need eyes, do you? I guess you don't need them, but you kind of nope. want them for facial Why? symmetry. Eh? I don't, well, it's don't just like a... It's just a, a common courtesy to have eyes. 
well, who care? Who would even see them? There's no light that comes down. Why is it a? I so guess you can, if like, you don't have eyes, then I don't need eyes. If we both don't have eyes, nobody then okay. has eyes. Yeah. I guess like if you're trying to wink at someone, then you would just like say wink, which makes it harder to be subtle about it because you're like you know. But I, I would I would assume I would want some other strategy for navigation and traversal then. Mm. Yeah, no, you would. You definitely I'd want to have other my other sensory, sensory thing locked down. Yes, yeah. yes, you do. Well, let's talk about the Mexican blind cavefish. Okay. <laughs> when you don't need eyes, why don't you just keep them just for fun? If you don't need them in a cave, like it doesn't seem like they would do any harm. So why not keep them on you? I wonder if it reshapes your whole head, because in some ways it feels like the head is has is the, is shaped the way it is to have a place for. Your skull definitely is. Yeah. 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 So does the skull close up? Did you never have eyes to begin with? (laughs) Do tell. Well, the Mexican blind cavefish has answers to your questions. So technically, this is the same species as the Mexican tetra, which is a normal looking little fish that lives on the surface in streams. And it has pearlescent pink scales and only grows to be about the length of a finger. It just looks like kind of typical aquarium fish. Uh, and they have eyeballs. They normal looking little fish. But the blind cave variant is a pale ghostly white and has no eyes. They just have this featureless smooth face. So it's not just that they don't have eyes. It's actually the part of the brain responsible for vision is smaller than that of their surface-dwelling relatives. So it seems like they've ditched everything they can that has to do with vision. So technically, there's still this like immature eye structure underneath the skin, uh, but the lack of blood flow to the eyes during development causes them to remain underdeveloped vestigial structures. So... Basically, like the skin grows over it. It doesn't look like they have eyes. So at some point in their fetal development, they just don't receive the nutrients to the eyes that they need. So they don't develop them. And when they hatch, here they are, eyeless fish. And what's so interesting about this is that they're this uh, surface Mexican tetra. It's not even a different species, although some... Uh, some people would argue like they're different enough uh, physically that would make them different species. But in terms of genetics, they're actually extremely similar. So it seems like there is something that happens in development, possibly environmentally, like in terms of gene expression, that causes them such a dramatic change in terms of their development in the underground species. And in terms of what the benefit is, to not having this it's that vision is actually really costly it's a very complicated thing to be able to see stuff and process it i mean like you know you got your computer you know how much energy your graphics card uses right not even considering the processing like the fact that your brain decodes and makes sense of it and trans and turns it into an idea of what's going on around you right that must be very exhausting from that brain anthropomorphized brain's point of view. <laughs> you need a you need a real hardcore GPU and yeah. you need a hardcore CPU. I mean, I've learned about this in terms of computers trying to run Cyberpunk on my dang old computer. But it uh, exploded. And it exploded. It did the most punk thing of all. Took my <laughs> money and ran away. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, but with animals and you know 
including us, it takes a lot of processing sure. to be able to use vision. So photoreceptive cells and neurons require a lot of energy. In fact, in a study on the Mexican tetras, both the surface-dwelling sighted variety and the cave-dwelling blind variety, they found a 15% reduction in energy consumption in the blind cave variants. So they're saving a lot of energy monies, a lot of those ATP dollars, ATP but coin. They can't watch <laughs> WandaVision. Nah. No, I will say it also takes away my greatest aversion to that dish where you eat a whole fish and it like the head is still on. Oh, yeah. The eyes staring at you accusingly. I don't mean to come into a podcast about animals and just talk about eating them so clearly, right. but this blind cavefish that I'm looking at, it looks like it's all good, tasty meat. Because yeah, like you don't you have said, to feel guilty. It can't look at you. There's nothing. It's it the head frown. is just more meat. It could frown. It, it can frown taste. judgmentally like yeah. come on, guy. I'm so come small on, and tiny. I went deep into a cave <laughs> and you're still gonna dig me up and eat me. It's your it's a you problem, not a right. me problem. But this energy-saving purpose uh, that they found in these fish seems like a pretty good blueprint for why other animals basically ditch their eyes when they're they're under uh, under caves. Now, you know, obviously, it's it's not been established that this causes them to lose their eyes, or if there's some environmental thing in the cave where they're not. You know, like basically they are not getting enough nutrients, uh, so they are putting it all towards the systems that are most important to function, something like that. But yeah, it's like if you don't need eyes uh, in an environment where getting nutrients is actually uh, quite difficult, it makes sense to get rid of them. You just don't need them. Yeah. But uh, I bet you're wondering, well, hey, gosh, what are some of these other Animals that don't have eyeballs. Well, I'm glad you asked. I didn't, but if we must, go for it. <laughs> if that's where we are, I will live in it with you, Katie. Well, well, do you like wolves? Do you like wolves with no eyeballs? Really? I can't believe you're about to tell me about some cave wolf with no eyeballs. I'll, well, I'll literally almost. go insane. It's okay, actually good. a cave wolf spider. <laughs> I just you thought... You scared I, the... Out of me I thought second. I would. It's sort of like, you know, like I start with wolf and then yeah. you're scared, like a wolf, an eyeless demon wolf. And yeah. now we've kind of like gone to spider and you're actually calmed down, which is great because normally people are like, oh, no, a spider. But I want you to love this spider. Spiders don't bother me as much as most. That's so good. That's good. good. Path here. So this is the eyeless pale cave wolf spider, which actually now that I think about it. Goes with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle cadence. Eyeless something cave wolf spider. Yeah. Eyeless pale cave wolf spider. <laughs> there you go. So this is the Kauai cave wolf spider, which is found in caves formed by lava flows in Kauai. So their surface dwelling relatives, the wolf spiders, have large eyes, and the cave wolf spiders just they don't have any eyes. You know, so it's a similar situation with the Mexican tetra. So in terms of visuals, their abdomen is kind of a silvery pale white and their legs are light reddish brown. It's actually quite a nice look. You know, it's it's a it's sort of a fall to winter, which I like. It's a sleep um, spider. 
They grow to be about an inch in diameter, which, you know, it's about the size of a silver dollar coin. You know, it's, it's not so bad. They're also totally harmless to humans. Just some little cute cave spiders that maybe lands on your hands and give you a little kiss. Uh, and they come from the lava lands. So yeah, you know. That's good. That's auspicious. <laughs> they feed on teeny tiny cave crustaceans that look sort of like a cross between a shrimp and a pill bug, but transparent. They're they're really tiny. They're under 10 millimeters long. Uh, and because they don't have eyes, they actually have en- enhanced spidey senses of touch, taste, and smell. Now, I bet you're wondering, like, well, wait, how does a spider smell? They don't got a nose, you know? What the heck? Although it'd be cute. Imagine a spider with just, like, a little little nose, you know? Just like a little red red nose. They're, well, I figured the caboose, the big, you know, that bit, what is it called? A thorax? The big ball. Abdomen? Yeah. The abdomen. The big ball on the end of a spider that doesn't seem to have any function. Is there some kind of nose hidden in there? You crack that open and there's a nose in there? <laughs> There's no nose hidden in, in the okay. abdomen. What are they smelling? Well, they have sensory organs all over their body, on their legs, and in terms of hairs covering their entire body, including their abdomen. So in terms of a nose, really you could think of their legs and their pedipalps, those little uh, arm-like things near their face, as a bunch of noses because they have... Uh, chemosensory organs on that and chemosensory receptors that allow them basically to taste what they're touching. And the little hairs all over their bodies are very sensitive to vibration and is how they hear. So basically they're covered in noses and ears. Doesn't that make spiders seem more friendly? And it it kind of gives me a whole new appreciation for spider sense. It's Yeah. They do kind of have... They're just like a walking mass of general awareness all around them at all times. That's Isn't that very comforting cool. with yeah. spiders? <laughs> it's not like there's eyes in the back of your head. It's like, no, all around my whole yeah. my skin is looking at you. Very <laughs> well, comforting. they're hairs, technically. <laughs> yeah. Also, the cave wolf spider is a really good mommy. She will carry her egg sac protectively in her mouth parts until they hatch. It's cute. She's just failing to eat her children. She's both a failure <laughs> and a proponent of infanticide. We're misinterpreting she's a, it. You know, she's a bad gourmand, but right. a good <laughs> mom. So, you know. There's almost a pun in there. It's a trade-off. Yeah. <laughs> this also has me wondering, so does it, it presumably must save resources then, too, by foregoing the site pathway, right? It just se- like the blind Yeah, it seems fish. like... Yeah, based on the study with the Tetra, it seems that either it's an evolutionary trait where by basically these spiders that ditched the eyes had a leg up, <laughs> eight legs up mm. on the other spiders. I don't apologize for that. But, uh, you know, so by by reducing their energy cost by ditching the eyes, maybe they have an evolutionary advantage or because nutrients are so sparse, somehow like in development, it's like the eyes end up not developing because that does take a lot of energy during development. And because there's like sort of a, a paucity of energy, those just like get neglected, but then they end up not needing them anyway. So e- either way, I'm not really sure that we quite know which way that that works yet. But 
Uh, but yeah, either way, it's an energy saving mechanism, you know? It's making me, I'm going the other way in my mind and like, cause humans, by all accounts, we have access to extra resources more than we strictly need to survive. Well, now we us. do. We didn't used to. The true. But I'm wondering when we can start converting that into like sixth, seventh, eighth Extra senses. eyes. I want a cone in the middle of my back that senses electromagnetic waves or something mm. like that, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, like, uh, basically, a lot of animals do have that. Uh, extra eyes just hit me. I don't, I don't want extra eyes. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, electroreception, like sharks and yeah. platypuses do have that. Um, just like we will, uh, but I, I want like, I want that to be the new like wealth status symbol where the more resources you have, just the more eyes you have. <laughs> I want Bezos, Bezos covered in eyeballs. Yeah. He's the richest man in the world. Just look <laughs> at him. He's covered in eyeballs. Clearly. <laughs> if he was served to me like fully cooked, I would not eat him. He's all eyeballs. Yeah, he's all eyeballs looking up at you accusingly. I don't know. I feel like when I'm eating a fish or I guess eating Jeff Bezos, like I I feel like it's my duty to be able to look him in the eye and, and eat him like the fish. I was going to say, who am I kidding? I would devour Jeff Bezos <laughs> for the good of the world. <laughs> I'll take that hit. Sorry, man. You're you're hoarding too many resources. You got to get slowly eaten. I can't speak to Jeff Bezos's eyeballs, but <laughs> fish eyeballs are actually quite tasty. They taste a little bit like roe. They're kind of like salty. That's what everyone always says when they're trying to get you to eat a fish eyeball. Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> you never hear anyone casually mentioning delicious fish eyeballs. Mm. It's always but when it's, it's good. right there staring at you. Good. I disagree. I've tried it. Fish cheek is good too. Anyways, uh, I. But you're wondering, well, hey, this is all great and good and everything, but are there dragons that live in caves like I've been told by fantasy? I was wondering that. It's surprising that you picked that off the top of my brain since we haven't talked about anything even adjacent to that. But yes, Katie, I was I, I can see it in your eyeballs, <laughs> accusingly looking it's at true. me. Little dragons. Well, yes, indeed, you can if you slightly change the definition of dragon. But there are little animals that, to me, look like cave dragons and they may not be what you would expect in like a like a lord of the rings book but i think they're really cool so let's start out with the texas blind salamander so these are aquatic cave dwelling neotenous salamanders which sounds complicated i will explain it so they live in texas so you know they've got little cowboy hats and little mm -hmm. cowboy boots uh, in cave systems found in San Marcos, Hayes County. They are eyeless. Now, they do have sort of underdeveloped eyes uh, in there, but it's covered in skin, and they aren't functional. And, uh, Michael, do you know about axolotls? I do, and they look a lot like axolotls. They do, because axolotls are also uh, neotenous salamanders. So what do I mean by that? So neoteny means that an animal retains juvenile traits throughout their adult life. So salamanders are amphibians that are similar to frogs. They have a larval form. So you know how frogs have tadpoles? Salamanders mm -hmm. have a juvenile form that is aquatic. They have long paddle-like tails 
and branching external gills that kind of look like sideburns. So if you've ever seen an axolotl, they usually have those pink or reddish like sideburns. Those are the, their external gills. So axolotls and this Texas blind salamander never grow out of their larval form. They just get bigger. They're like if a human being, like a baby, instead of like developing adult characteristics, just got larger, like oh, a giant baby. I was going to say, it's like the average white American male. You, they never mature <laughs> and they grow sideburns. They just grow sideburns and say they matured. <laughs> Big man babies with sideburns. Exactly. Going, I'm an adult. <laughs> I'm a dragon. You know, it's like, uh, like Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. There was the Honey, I Shrunk the Kid, which a classic, and then Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, which not so much, me but slightly. I did see it and I remember it. Yeah, but not yeah. as classic. Not as classic as Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. That was a genuine classic. Honey, I Blew Up the Kids, like genuinely upset me when I watched it as a kid because like there's a scene where the baby almost eats his big sister or something. I'm like, oh, that's no. It's disturbing imagery. Death yeah. by giant baby is not something I want to think about. Anyways, uh, that is the living reality with these salamanders. Uh, they are giant babies, axolotls and the Texas blind salamanders. Mm. So even a better level of like a giant baby with no eyes. You know, imagine it. Let that sink in a little bit. If this was like a newborn baby and it just got bigger, but it didn't mature. Yeah. And it didn't need its eyes. And it had no eyeballs. Yeah. As long as it's sporting those cool ass sideburns, the signature (laughs) axolotl sideburns, sideburns, I'm going to be like, this baby's all right. (laughs) And it can breathe underwater. That's cool too. Unlike axolotls, the Texas blind salamander is adapted to cave life. So that's why it has ditched his eyes. And has also very little pigmentation. Uh, axolotls sometimes are sort of a, a pale color, but their gills are often like m- a little more vibrant. And there are also um, darker colors that axolotls come in, whereas the blind cave salamander is typically that sort of ghostly, ghostly white that most things are in caves. Um, but even stranger still is the ohm. So the ohm is also called the human fish by locals. Oh my goodness. That's just immediately scary. <laughs> I know the name somehow the name the ohm and that it's called the human fish. It, it's just It makes you think it's creepier than it even is cuz I'm looking at a picture of it. I'm like it doesn't deserve a name that foreboding. <laughs> the human fish. It's got all sorts of just that that sort of baba yaga creepy energy. So they are found only in the underground rivers that flow through limestone bedrock in Central and Southeastern Europe. Its eyes are underdeveloped, and just like the Texas blind salamander, it is neotenic. Um, What makes the ohm even spookier is how long it is. It looks very snake-like. It has these tiny legs that are actually really funny because, like, it's got this pretty long, impressive body and just these, like little tiny legs that don't look Mm -hmm. like they can function very well. Its front legs only have three toes instead of the typical four. And its hind legs only have two toes. So they're just, they don't need eyes. They don't need toes. Their legs are tiny little, like, just like little, they don't really do much. They're Um, 80% of the way toward becoming a snake. Like, let's, let's drop the crap. You're a snake. Just become a snake. Just become a little sea noodle. Yeah. So, they can actually grow to be quite long. They can grow to be over a foot or 30 centimeters long. Uh, and they 
because they don't have eyes, uh, in order to hunt for their prey, they are very sensitive to taste, smell, and sound, allowing them to catch little critters like little, uh, little ca other cave-dwelling insects and underwater critters without sight. So their inner ears allow them to sense vibrations and to pinpoint the location using the orientation of these sensory cells to calculate where the sound source is coming from. So the, you've got kind of like these surround sound sensory cells inside the ear, and then by knowing which cell is picking up the sound the loudest, they can basically calculate in their brain like where the sound is coming from and find find that unfortunate little creature that it's going to eat. Mm -hmm. Also, they can live to be up to about 60 years old. Whoa. Yeah. Their maximum lifespan has been calculated to be over 100 years old. It's always interesting when a little tiny guy lives very long. Yeah. It just seems counterintuitive for some reason. But I mean, this is the closest thing we get to ancient wise cave dragons. I mean, admittedly, they're sort of like baby dragons. They're only about a foot long, but still, I mean, you know, like. The one, the picture that you included in the doc almost looks exactly like a silhouette of Mushu from Mulan. Yeah, it does. <laughs> or or the uh or the dragon in Spirited Away. Yeah, definitely. Without they the antlers. Need... Sideburns instead of antlers. If I had a pet one of these though, Olm, uh I think I would need to paint it or find a non-cruel way to brighten it up. That's the only way in which I'd it doesn't look like a dragon. I'd googly eyes on mine. It could use eyes and then it Just could use googly eyes. Tape a pair of googly eyes on there. Make it a little uh little more personable. I mean, I, I think it works for everything. Put eyes all over its body. It doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. I have some I have some adhesive googly eyes that I just put on things around the house. It's fun. Yeah, man, you give you give this Ulm a wicked paint job and you're going to be cruising, dude. Look, you slapped some racing stripes on it. You slapped slapped googly some googly eyes, on, eyes on it. And by the boom by the bang, you're the Khaleesi of the cave system. You got a cave dragon, my friend. <laughs> Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, 
It's got standard third row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. So now I want to talk about some very rare cave finds that you will only find in a few caves and it is hard to access them. These are limited access cave critters. So what comes to mind when I say cave leeches? Like, how does that make you feel? Where are you at with cave leeches? Well, I'll tell you, Katie, not great. Uh, <laughs> I thought of leeches as something that I had to be on the cusp of manhood with my friends in the woods and submerging myself in a, a filthy puddle to get attacked by. And when you mention cave leeches, it makes it sound like they could be elsewhere, like not in the water, mm. not in stagnant water. I'm hoping to find out that these still are only in water. Are they yeah. limited to water? They are. Oh, thank God. Although I do like the idea of them sort of hanging from the ceiling of you the cave. You made me think of like a bat-like Yeah, leech. like hanging from the ceiling, then it drops down on you and starts sucking your brains you, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not quite. No, they are still, oh, they goodness. are actually aquatic leeches. So mm -hmm. that is a comforting thing. They are called Croatobranchus mistrovi, aka Erpobadella mistrovi. I'm just going to split the diff and call them little cavey leeches. That's, I think, going to be easier for everyone. I involved. think so. Little cavey leeches. Good. They are found in one of the deepest caves in the world. They are endemic, meaning they are only found in the northern Velbit cave systems in Croatia. They were discovered in the deepest cave in Croatia, Lukina Jama. I'm sorry if I mispronounced that, uh, which is 1,400, wait, which is 1,430 meters or 4,694 feet deep. Pretty deep. It's deep enough that I have no conception. Of it's abstract. It, it's beyond. It right. If you said, see. So Empire yeah. State Building. There you go. How Let's big? get some comparison. I Google. Gone. Empire State Building. How big? How big? Computers say very big. How big? Say computer. It is uh, 1,454 <gasps> feet tall. So that's so like three points something. Four, this is almost, yeah, so this is like 4,694 divided by 1,454. Doing it in my head. I'm kidding. 3.27? Like three. Close. No, it's about, it's about like three and a half times the tallness of the Empire State Building, according to Google Maps. Yeah, that's, again, seemingly unnecessary. Yeah, it doesn't seem 
He's a little just showing there. off, showing off. But I also like that that's how far this cave leech is from <laughs> me right now. Right. So part of the cave is a 513 meter or 1,683 foot free fall hole. So taller than the Empire State Building, just a hole. Just basically the lobby of the cave where the mm. leech. Just a free fall hole, you know? Yeah. Yeah. This is the deepest hole in the world. So the leech doesn't fall from the ceiling on you. You fall from the ceiling (laughs) onto the leech. Technically, yes. Technically, yes. So this is, they're found in the deepest hole in the world, also known as my heart. Anyways, um, imagine being one of the researchers who descended into this pitch black cold hole with nothing but a rope between you oh my and oblivion. Imagine if you fell and you're, oh my God, I can't believe we survived. What broke our fall? Leeches! <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, these cave leeches broke my fall. <laughs> Thank God, these man-eating leeches broke yeah. my fall from the tallest hole in the world. So, Speaking of unnecessary... It's unnecessary that there's life there and that we ever knew about it. There's no yeah. reason for a human to go out down there and find out that these are there. Hey, I mean, these are down there. Okay. But isn't that like the most human thing there is? Like, that's a big hole. I'm going to go down in that hole. <laughs> yeah. And get to the very bottom and find out what freaking oh, bug lives I'll down find there. Find out what's in that hole. <laughs> yeah. Mm, there's screams of the damned in there. Well, I'm going to go and check that out. Something with no eyes is calling to me from that hole. Something is calling to me saying, I will devour you. Mm-hmm. And then the screams of the damned. Yep. For you science. Betcha. I'm, I'm going to go down in there for science. <laughs> uh, it makes my butt like invert on itself to think about. <laughs> so these cave leeches live in streams in the depths of these caves in pretty cool, pretty frigid streams. They're at water temperatures of about four degrees celsius or 40 degrees fahrenheit so chilly you know pretty chilly they have no eyes which is not super surprising i mean leeches only have eye spots they don't have like big Mm -hmm. cute puppy eyes normally so it's not that different a leech is already just like a living lump of slime as far as i'm concerned there are living lumps of slime like slime molds leeches are more like a a goo noodle with a sucky part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Classic suck face goodle. <laughs> Classic. They're, the sucker mouth of the cave leech is actually not used to suck blood. Researchers don't think they survive on blood sucking because there are simply not enough animals with enough blood down there to for them to suck on. <laughs> there aren't... Normally, there aren't tasty humans that just like decided to descend down on a rope for these leeches to feed on. So uh, they don't really know what they feed on. Um, maybe there's just Ooh, like a race creepy. of yetis that live down there that they feed on. But they eat it's... all the discarded vestigial eyeballs that none of them are like, <laughs> like you guys going to use these eyeballs? No. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> Where Bezos chucks all his extra eyes every year. His yearly eye purge to get rid of all those eyeballs. So the mouth, the sucker mouth, is actually ringed in tentacles. 
This just gets better and better, doesn't it? And the function of these tentacles and the mouth is unclear, but the powerful sucker seems to be able to help it cling to rock surfaces underwater and to actually crawl along. Uh, they have what looks like legs on each of their sides, but these are actually just little flesh projections that researchers think serve some sort of respiratory function. So gas exchange may occur along the surface area of these projections like they're just external gills. And uh, they're kind of flat and they move by undulating like caterpillars. So basically it has an oral sucker, uh, its mouth, and it's got a posterior sucker on its butt. And it like uses each of the suckers to like move along a rock underwater. So it's like just... It's like it's mouth, butt, butt mouth, butt, mouth, butt. Yeah, it's butt sucks and it's mouth sucks. <laughs> yeah, but it's butt sucking's way funnier than it's mouth yeah, sucking. Yeah, it sucks at moving. It butt sucks at moving. <laughs> and it has these things that should be legs if you're looking at it, but they're not. It looks like that's, legs, but they don't That's inherently think hilarious. Yeah. Um, but I will say the, the scariest thing about this, I think, is that you don't know what stuff is for. I don't like that you're... It's one thing to have a tentacle ring right. maw, but then to go, what is it for? Oh, don't worry about it. It's just don't my worry tentacle about it. We don't know yet. Maw. It's the yeah. mysteries that are, you know, really the zest of life. Mm -hmm. Like, what are those mouth tentacles for? We don't know. Life would be boring and bland if we didn't. If we knew what that leech was sucking, yeah. If we knew, like, what every mouth tentacle did, <laughs> that would, for? like, what would life be then? Life would be without the mysteries of mouth tentacles. No, that would be sad to me. <laughs> tentacle maws are the spice of life, as they say. Really is. Carpe diem tentacles, mouth tentacles. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, they don't know what they feed on. Maybe you. Woo, spooky. But I'm going to guess something tiny that's on the rocks. Probably. Probably. That's my dummy guess. Yeah, they may like even feed on algae. Who knows? Mm. Who knows? So... The last cave cutie that we're going to talk about is the White Cave Velvet Worm. So if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know I've got a soft spot for velvet worms. They are one of the cutiest little booties uh, in the world. Um, my Twitter banner is made up of velvet worms. They are just, mm. there's something so cute about them. And so velvet worms, just as a refresher, they are a phylum of species of small, pinky size normally, uh, sometimes even smaller, uh, adorable, like velvety, worm-like critters. So they are actually not technically worms. They are a branch off of panarthropoda. Uh, so they are uh, a sort of distinct branch from like uh, insects and stuff. They're their own phylum, their own their own brand, you know? It's all about brand integrity for these guys. And they have a bunch of cute little chubby legs, these chubby little antenna, mm. and they like to squirt uh, sticky sticky spray from glands near their mouth that they use to stick on to prey so that they can eat it. Oh, so they do eat prey. So you love they them do. anyway, even though they take life. I mean, a cat's. Do that. Oh, I yeah. know. I'm not judging you for that. I'm just establishing it. They look like they have cute little leg warmers on each and every one yeah, of their many legs. They're so pretty cute. For some reason, I thought they would be herbivorous based on that fact. But yeah, they they do look like they would 
like delicately munch can't on judge a, leaf, a worm but... by its legs i suppose <laughs> well non-cave dwelling velvet worms come in a variety of beautiful colors like purples or blues sometimes they have like yellow racing stripes they're i think really beautiful and they do look like they're made out of velvet they have this incredible skin texture that allows them to retain moisture uh, because they like to live in moist environments and they're they're apparently actually also very soft so you know do i want to pet one yes <gasps> oh man okay yeah i'm googling images of the the ones that live on land are very cute very cute yeah just little just little ch- like little chonksters who they look are like so pixar cute. worms yeah they do yes they are very cute they they look like some kind of like toy worm, like a little, uh, when I was a kid, I had a glow worm toy that you squeezed it and it would glow and it had this like soft, chunky body that I would hug. Um, And it had a human face and that part I didn't much care for, but the other aspects of the glow worm, it was very fun and cute. Um, But cave velvet worms are a ghostly white and they, uh, are that actually there's not that much known about them they don't know like if they don't have eyes at least i couldn't find any research on whether or Mm. not they have eyes my suspicion probably not why would they need them uh and they they have this ability to squeeze their jiggly little bodies into cracks and crevices which make them very well adapted to cave life they're like cave kitties you know how like cats can just like squeeze under Mm -hmm. doors they're just like that except they've got lots of little legs well, and the cat has some legs, Four. more than you. Yeah, well, that's twice true. as many. I I have been owned. I've I just got Thank owned you. by the cat. So they are found only in two cave systems in Table Mountain, South Africa. Due to the limited area and how few specimens have been found, they are considered vulnerable. So you know these little little ghosts. They look like some kind of ghost Pokemon. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Ghost type, or they could all be hiding in cracks, and would we even know? That's true. That's true. It's actually a very we good better point. we better go to the world's deepest hole to find <laughs> out. Get in that hole, scientists! Who are these mad mad people who figure this stuff out? Jump in a hole. I mean, I like know. let's jump in the world's at- deepest hole to look for some worms. If I wasn't so scared of the effects that gravity has on my body when it meets the floor end, mm-hmm. you know, like the potential energy that would go into my body after jumping off of a thing and then, you know, what happens at the end of that, I'd definitely want to jump in a you hole. You would. You would, wouldn't you? You, know? you weirdo. Yeah. Aren't, what's wrong with the seven or eight kinds of animals that, I, that we have around <laughs> us here in the surface world? It's enough animals. Be satisfied. There you don't are... need to find these eyeless velvet worms that live deep in the bowels. Of the I guess you do, or you wouldn't have a podcast. There but... are some people that do like jump into basically like these big holes, and I think they either like have a parachute or a bungee cord. I think it's a parachute. It's like basically base jumping, except seemingly extremely dangerous because like you can't see the bottom. So, oh, just base jumping into a hole that's deep enough that you yeah. can do that? That is... I yeah. hate it. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like to think about it. It makes makes my butt, like, crawl up my mouth. Crawl that up makes itself. Sense. The white cave velvet worm is down there looking up at us like, these guys are crazy. <laughs> what are all those eyes for? 
Oh, God. They have so many eyes. They have these big jelly balls. Actually, if you didn't have eyes, eyes would be gross. They would, wouldn't you? They, like, it's like their head is mostly solid, but they have these like weird jelly balls. Right, that the like front. move around. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you wouldn't have the visual of it, right? So you don't have sight. So you don't have the visual oh, of eyeballs. If you don't you have eyes, them. you don't know what eyes look like. That's well, you don't true. know what they look like, but you can feel them. And like how gooshy they are. Like imagine you're feeling something. You're like, okay, like the human, like I feel that. What the hell are these things? And you're honking at them and they're like goopy and squishy. Your eyes smell weird, human. (laughs) Yeah, I got stink eyes. (laughs) Well, I think that is going to do it for all of the cave animals. But before we go, I do want to answer a listener question. Now, this has to do with... Uh, actually a topic we talked about a couple episodes ago about dinosaurs. So here's the question. Since the vast majority of what we know about dinosaur appearance is based off of bones, what about the possibility of things that wouldn't be preserved that would affect their appearance? Like if we only had the bones of a penguin, we probably wouldn't be able to recreate their unique appearance with their tuxedo coloring or secret knees or peacock tail feathers, or hippos' incredibly thick skin, or elephant trunks and ears. I've got to assume there's tons of examples of defining but non-obvious traits of modern animals that wouldn't be preserved through a future fossil record. Do you think we're not being creative enough with what dinosaurs could have looked like? And this is from Stephen. This is a great question and one that has kind of caused a revolution in terms of paleo art and paleontologists' understanding of dinosaurs. So it is true that our classic view of sort of like the Jurassic Park-like dinosaur that has like green or brown and like scaly, just like giant lizards, essentially, Mm -hmm. is probably way too limited. So what you're describing uh, in terms of like not knowing what animals look like and and actually... um, Sometimes like with dinosaurs and other fossils, we imagine them being much more skeletal and bony than they may have been. This is called shrink wrapping. It's basically when a an extinct animal that we only have fossil records of, uh, we're trying to recreate them. We don't give them enough flesh. We're like, okay, here's their bones. They probably had some muscles. And so when we try to imagine them, they kind of look bony and skeletal. There is this amazing book called All Yesterday's Unique and Speculative Views of Dinosaurs and Other Prehistoric Animals. It's an illustrated book that critiques the way that we've classically envisioned dinosaurs. And there are these great illustrations in it that shows like how we might envision living animals like baboons and swans and hippos and zebras just based on their fossils. And they look horrible. They look like monsters. Yeah, they all look like like Jurassic Park creatures. The baboon looks the most. The baboon looks like a velociraptor, essentially, from Jurassic Park with just different mandibles, basically. And the swan has like these scythes. It's like the wing bones, right? And it like they've imagined it without feathers. So it's just like this scythe. Imagine if you just found a bone that was just a V-shape and you were like, I'm pretty confident they flew with this and it was all filled in with all these feathers. Even though you were right, 
people would be like, that's kind of a stretch. So you can right. see how this happens. It totally makes sense. Right, exactly. The hippo one is trippy, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So fossils are often incomplete, even when it comes to bones. But they also don't often record things like feathers, color, skin texture. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's true we can get some sense of fat and muscle based on bone density and structure. And I think like there's some probably advancement in terms of like understanding how muscle fits to bone and using sort of the structure of bone uh, and bone density to like be like, okay, this probably supported more weight. So we could like reconstruct some of the tissue and fat. Um, And, but unless there's a cast of skin tissue or feathers, it's really hard to know what's going on the outside of the animal. So like, you know how turkeys have those like dangly things under their chins and over their beaks, the waddle. The waddle in their snood. We wouldn't know if like T-Rex had like a waddle, like a big chin waddle. What if we finally clone, you know, like we clone a woolly mammoth and it just looks like two big birds stapled together. And we're like, that is not what we thought (laughs) it was going to look like. Look at that thing. It's crazy. I mean, I think like with the woolly mammoth, we have a better understanding of what they probably look like because of their living relatives, their close living relatives. And also some of them, their their flesh was actually frozen because uh, they they have a lot of, um, uh, you know, they lived in these very cold environments. Oh, so we we do have flesh samples? We have limited, yeah, of, Mm. of mammoths, yeah. I think there was even like a whole or partial baby mammoth that was frozen that we have. Um, doesn't mean we have complete DNA, but we actually, we do have like an idea of what they look like. Um, but dinosaurs, we don't have that, but Mm -hmm. we uh, very occasionally will have things like feather imprints or, or, uh, skin, fossilized skin. Very rarely does that happen because organic material typically would decay or be eaten or, you know, basically, um, become, too ruined or just completely decayed before it would have a chance to fossilize. The only time that organic material like skin could survive and be fossilized if it was like almost immediately buried and then this this uh, mineralization happened where basically all the bits of organic material is replaced by a mineral and uh, preserves the look of the tissue. And it does happen. It's very rare. Mm-hmm. Um and even then, like, you don't have an, necessarily an understanding of pigmentation. Like, you don't know, like, what sure. it would look like. And we're, but even in that, we're starting to get a little better at that. There are sometimes melanosomes that are fossilized. So melanosomes are an organelle that will determine pigment. Uh, so uh, paleontologists can see a melanosome and like, hey, this one looks like this is a melanosome that would create a black pigment and be able to make some determination of like, hey, we think that maybe this this skin might have been black or like this feather might have been black. So we're getting a little better at, at those kinds of things. We're taking the pale out of paleontology. I should not have interrupted <laughs> for that. I'm sorry. <laughs> if, if remember, Soames need a tagline. There you go. <laughs> so... Most likely the image of just like brown, olive colored, green, scaly lizard dinosaurs is outdated. I mean, there probably were dinosaurs that looked like that. I don't, I mean, you know, it's like they aren't, you know, 
they did share a common ancestor with modern day reptiles. Um, they were, uh, but they we do know that some of them have feathers and maybe they had fleshy ornaments. Like imagine like, you know, a lot of birds have these eye ornaments. This oscillated turkey has these big blue, basically it looks like these blue dots all around its eyes, this blue eyeliner. A lot of seabirds have these magnificent little like fleshy eyeliner. Yeah. And dinosaurs may have had that. So maybe uh, maybe it's T-Rex, maybe it's Maybelline. We don't know. I'd also love, to, we're not sure what they sounded like too. Is that right? I mean, I got to imagine... The roar of a T-Rex we hear yeah. in Jurassic Park is just as speculative, right? Just like, that's speculation. Just, yeah. There's some, I think there's like some research about that. And I think that uh, based on like some, like they're, they're trying to basically reconstruct dinosaurs and uh, using like some, like what we know about vocalization of living animals like birds, uh, the living dinosaurs of today and using that to try to figure out like what, another dinosaur would sound like. And I think I read something that seemed to indicate that they may have had very bird-like sounds based on some of their like vocal structures. Like, uh, but just imagine like a very deep throated bird-like sound for some of these like bigger dinosaurs, which is actually a little scary, pretty in- intimidating. Yeah. If a velociraptor went gobble, gobble, but really deep, <laughs> gobble, gobble. That's <laughs> still kind of scary. Chirp, motherfucker. <laughs> chirp, chirp. <laughs> right before you get eviscerated. <laughs> yeah, but uh, this is a great question. Thank you so much for it. And definitely check out that All Yesterday's book, I, it, or at least like Google it and look at the illustrations because those are they're incredible. I love them so much. The it's shrink-wrapped like, modern animals are great. Yeah. It's great. It's it's really gives you a perspective of like how much information we lose and like what you know future generations or like future aliens, I guess, who come and visit our ravaged Earth. <laughs> We'll find and like reconstruct us. I wonder like what a shrink wrapped human would look like. Just like Skeletor, like we're all, yeah, Skeletor. Yeah. That's, hey, send in some fan art at Future <laughs> Feature Pod. Shrink wrapped human oh, Skeletor. Oh, God. <laughs> the most horrifying fan art. Uh, this is where just... Slender Man came from. Oh, God. Oh, man, you're right. Yeah, no, that, that, ooh, I love, I like that. I like that headcanon. He doesn't need eyes. <laughs> he doesn't need eyes. Why would he need eyes? He's got all of those like exactly. those receptors on his long arms, just like a spider. Hey, we brought it full circle. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Michael. Where can people find you? Where can the cave leeches find you? Oh, hi, cave leeches. Uh, I'm over at patreon.com slash small beans. And if you're on Twitter, I'm at symbol, then the name Swain, then the underscore symbol, then Corp, C-O-R-P. Which I'm more and more ashamed of as corporations (laughs) ravage and destroy everything (laughs) we hold dear. It's you. You're the the corporate big cat that everyone's been complaining about. (laughs) I'm the one hoarding eyes all over my body. It's me. And you can find us on the internet at Creature Feature Pod on Instagram, at Creature Feet Pod on Twitter. That's F-E-A-T, not F-E-E-T. That is something very different. Creature uh, Feet. You can also email me your horrifying fan art of human beings shrink-wrapped or your questions or cute animal pictures. I'm good with cute animal pictures, too. Uh, CreatureFeaturePod at gmail.com. I'm also, you know, I'm Katie Golden. You can find me on Twitter. Just search, search it search it on twitter and pro bird rights 
I do that one too, where I'm a bird. Surprise, I'm a bird. Fooled ah! you, didn't I? Fooled you. Scared me. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. Oh, also, hey, if you review the podcast, I will read it. And it'll warm my little little bird heart. And I really appreciate it. I really do read all of them. And they really do mean a lot to me. It makes me happy. Thank you so much for everyone who leaves a review. I super appreciate that. Creature Feature is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts like the one you just heard, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or hey, guess what? Wherever you listen to your Ding Ding shows. And thanks to the Space Classics for their super awesome song, Exolumina. See you next Wednesday. I kind of inversed the order of the outro. I wonder if people are going to be upset about that. I don't know. Vive la différence. Vive la extra eyes, or lack of eyes. Everything's great. Each their own. Bye, guys. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.